Support for this podcast comes from SurveyMonkey for HR. Do you want to learn how to build meaningful connections between people and data? Join me and thousands of leaders and experts across HR, marketing, customer success, market research and education for the online event of the year. On September 18th and 19th, SurveyMonkey's second annual Curiosity Conference will feature 20 sessions and endless opportunities to learn new tricks for using feedback to make data-driven decisions, take action and deliver impact. Register now at www.surveymonkey.com future. That's www.surveymonkey.com future. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 206 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One thing that I've noticed recently is the increasing traction behind the concept of talent experience. The reality is that employer brand, candidate experience and employee experience don't exist in silos when you're experiencing them as an employee. So what can employers do to ensure more joined up thinking, to create a seamless talent experience and at the same time create workplaces that prioritise belonging and inclusion? My guest this week is Charu Malhotra. Charu is a leader within the global employer branding space and has some brilliant insights to share on this topic. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Charu, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Um, Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. So my name's Charu Malhotra. I've been lucky enough to work in employer branding and recruitment marketing for about 12 years now. I've worked at organisations like Unilever, BP, Ferrero, and uh, I have a global role, but I'm based in rainy London. So you, um, as you say, you've worked in um, the employer brand space for uh, quite some time. And you've worked with some sort of really interesting and innovative um, organisations. How how do you see sort of employer brand and employer value proposition changing? What's, what's kind of going on in the market at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, I've worked on probably five employee value proposition projects um, in in, sort of in the last 10 years, all with big global brands and with various different talent segments and lots of different geographies. And I think one of the observations, certainly that I've experienced in the last two, three years is when starting these type of projects, although they were often labelled employee value proposition um, with, you know, certainly focus on research and focus groups the output would be very much around employer branding and recruitment marketing so focus very much on what's the problem statement how do we get great people in at the right time the right place and and, and give them a right experience and the kind of the value proposition piece almost got lost in the equation so uh, you know almost that research would be done but the focus and the heavy lifting and the output we very much you know, generated towards, you know, the website, the social channels, uh, you know, content, 
and you know thinking about measurement you know you know how are we getting the right people in you know how, how long are they staying is our recruitment marketing working i have seen and i think it's a really positive step and i, I hope it matures more is as more and more value propositions are on their third or fourth um, iterations and also you know we're seeing and quite rightly so a sort of a real strong lens towards not just having a global value proposition a sort of a talent proposition recognizing that you know, you know the type of talent we're looking for whether it's digital talent or talent in a different segment requires you know, different messaging under a, a big umbrella there's a lot more focus and as I said rightly so and I'm really pleased to see this on you know what's the actual employee experience so it's not just the external it's not just the you know how do we bring the person into our organization how do we distinguish ourselves how are we distinctive but actually once they're in the organization how do we retain them how do we engage them so they become really strong advocates but also happy productive engaged employees so I see that value proposition employee value proposition maturing to think about things in a much more 360 holistic way i think that's really interesting because we've 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 seen a um you know dramatic rise in the amount of people talking about employee experience um we've seen a dramatic rise in the people talking about candidate experience and you know we still see a dramatic rise in people talking about employer branding um I get the sense, though, you know, as you say, for many companies, those things aren't um, aren't joined up when they kind of absolutely should be. Are you sort of genuinely, genuinely seeing that happen? Do you think that companies are, are, are realizing that, that these are all pieces of the, of, of the of the of the same puzzle? What's your kind of view on where the market actually is at the moment? Sure. So I think like like a lot of things, um, there's a lot of noise out there. And hubris does exist. So in the same way that we both know that there's a lot of talk and and has been for the last nearly decade on candidate experience, actually shifting of candidate experience piece has only happened in the four or five years. And we still have horror stories going on and still having a lot of organisations not treating candidates in the right way. But I would say that the noise and the dialogue and the chat and the conference uh, sessions on candidate experience, you know, was, was sort of much louder than the actual action and the activity behind it. I would say we're probably in the same space now where you have a lot of dialogue, um, a lot of books, a lot of conferences talking about uh, DNI inclusion, and then you have a lot of people talking about employee experience. Um, is the is the impetus behind that happening in some organizations that are thinking about this carefully and recognizing that retention is a massive issue um, and productivity is a huge issue um, you know we see the data we see the stats you know monthly on this you know if you're interested in this type of thing there's a lot of data out there around how productive people are engaged workforces are globally some organizations are looking at this not enough in my opinion but I do think as we you know as we've seen for, with candidate experience, there will be a lot more momentum behind it. We, we have to. If we're looking in, a, in an environment where people are talking about we can't fill jobs, we can't find talent, that's rubbish. You know, we're not thinking cleverly enough. We're not thinking about retraining, retooling up existing employees. We're not thinking about, you know, why are people so disengaged? Why aren't we, you know, looking at how we're leading and creating culture? Um, and for me, it's 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 very much around you know, removing the piece around culture and values from the walls and um, you know from from flyers and the occasional town hall to actually you know what what are we what are we really doing with people internally? So um, I think you know we'll we'll 
in a good place from moving DNI, employee experience, employee value proposition, operating in silos by often different teams and seen as programs versus, you know, actually this is, you know, thinking about the talent experience and the, and the employee experience should be something that we're all thinking about properly and carefully. And I think the move from having chief HR officers to thinking about chief people officers is a nice signal. Um, I'm a cynic. I don't think a job title change anything, but I think, you know, you can take that as a positive signal, can't you? Absolutely. And I think um, what I'm kind of seeing in the market is there's there's certainly, um, a, you know, an intent to change and an understanding that this is the direction to go in. Um, I think when you ask people at a practical level, they've, they've um, you know, many of them still have um, a, a bit of a, a bit of a journey to go on. Um, and, you know, pick that up again a little bit later, perhaps to sort of get your, you know, just to, to, to get your sort of view on what companies can be doing. Um, before that, though, um, I just want to just pick up on the the dni aspect of this because um diversity and inclusion it, it, again it's a massive conference talking point um huge amounts of content huge amounts of discussion going on what's what's your take on what's your take on that well the first piece i would say is i personally i have a real issue with the word um and perhaps the way, way it's used uh, diversity so um and i make no secret of this so i might have worked in organizations where we have DNI teams and you know full credit and kudos to the hard work that they do and I have a lot of respect for some of those individuals in those teams I personally feel um as a as an individual that works in recruitment HR branding marketing communications all those spaces and uh you know a female leader that when you start thinking about diversity and using it as an umbrella term using it as a catch-all you know seeing you know words like you know we're looking for diverse talent I feel uncomfortable and I do I'll vocalize that as I'm doing now that actually it puts people into a space of other whereas I much prefer um things like works words like inclusion and belonging I think organizations like LinkedIn um started talking about this sort of four or five years ago way before anyone else um very much um nurtured by that they had a very ama- they had an amazing leader who's now left called uh, Pat uh, Waders, I think her name is, and she talked a lot about belonging and inclusion. And I think that's that that's the um, that's the direction we need to head in. Um, I think words are very powerful, and if we start with diversity, that can lend itself into you know a sort of position of otherness, uh, a position of kind of really earmarking differences versus you know actually trying to strive for a culture of belonging and inclusion. Um, so yeah, and I've completely forgotten what the question was. But I have to say, I really don't like the word diversity. No, I mean that's absolutely that's absolutely fine. The question was, I wanted your view on it, which uh, you know you've uh, you've you've, um, you've you've given, um, and uh, you know I think it makes perfect sense. And I think it's really interesting you mentioned LinkedIn actually because um, I saw them uh, do a presentation about belonging. Um, a few months ago at a conference I was at in the Netherlands. Um, and it, and it really sort of moved my understanding forward about what that means and the, the kind of issues, issues around it. Could you, could you sort of, for people who are sort of perhaps struggling to understand this concept, could you, could you sort of give us a bit more detail about, you know, about what that actually means in practice? Yeah, I think one of the ways that I bridge it is there's a quite interesting quote around industrial leaders. So kind of leaders yeah, up until you know, a, a moment ago, in, in, in if you think about work history, were trained and are trained to look at people as resources to get the work done. Whereas if you think about even the points we've just touched on in this call um, around 
employee experience, around culture, around engagement and having productivity and happiness as an index about, you know, keeping people um, engaged. That's a very different leadership model. That means that we have to look at work as a resource to build people. So I'm paraphrasing a a quote I'd heard around that, but I think it frames it well, you know, industrial leaders and uh, most organizations and a lot of organizations, you know, are trained and their organizational models are, you know, let me look at these people, these workforces, these employees as resources to get my work done, to get the work done. Whereas now we have to change the way that we look and leaders now need to look at work as a resource to build people, to retain people, to engage people. If you flip that in terms of, you know, how do you retain somebody intrinsically, whatever you're doing, whether you're working on the shop floor, whether you're working in a call centre, whether you're in the C-suite, you want to feel valued, you want to be motivated, you want to be engaged, you want to be rewarded, you know, whether that's intrinsic or extra, you know, extrinsic. We're all the same in, in terms of we want recognition how we want recognition differs from person to person. And that lends itself to if we have to bring a mask into work, if we have to operate in a way that hides our true selves, um, we how can we then create an, a, an environment where we feel like we can openly share our feedback and our thoughts? So I think that creating a culture of belonging, a feeling that I can be, you can be our true selves when we come in, um, is, is, a, is a very powerful statement and then that then impacts culture, that impacts, you know, that belonging piece. If I feel like I belong, therefore, I will have the freedom to be myself, uh, whatever that is. And therefore, that lends itself to providing honest, um, constructive feedback and ideas. If you're giving your ideas because you feel like you're in a safe space because you belong and it's an inclusive environment, everyone, everyone benefits and an organisation becomes more productive and more engaged or uh, feeling slightly happier at work um, and therefore you know, engage workforces and more productive. I said slightly happier because, again, this is quite an interesting one in terms of inclusion and belonging doesn't mean that you need to have this sort of workforce where everyone is sort of, you know happy and, and delighted all the time. I, I think there's something around if we're demanding people are happy every day at work that's a false promise that's not fair I don't necessarily want to be happy at work I want to feel respected and it goes back to that your value system what makes you um a uh, an employee that's enjoying what they're doing what they're doing you, Matt and me you we both have very different value systems so I think this whole belonging piece and feeling happy piece are you know slightly different directions i think if we strive to create an environment where people feel safe and there's a lot around psychological safety um and you know feel like they belong whoever they are wherever they've come from you know however they experience their life and whatever their backgrounds that allows for a culture of safety and if i'm feeling safe and i feel like i belong i will bring my ideas to work and my my ideas bring innovation and innovation brings hopefully success so uh, that's kind of my my sort of uh, two minute elevator pitch. I'm sure it can be honed a bit well better, but those those are what I think. All of these things sort of tied together. Um, you know, it's it's a big strategic led journey for an organisation to um, you know to to kind of go on to 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 get this right. Um, and, and and with that in mind, it's probably you know quite difficult to boil it down into a few sort of practical steps of advice. But but that said, I mean, what what advice would you give to organisations? who are looking at this sort of whole, let's call it sort of talent experience, um, talent experience 
at peace? What what should they be thinking about and what should they be doing? Yeah, I think it actually mirrors, Matt, a lot of the work around, you know, how do you create a great employee value proposition sort of framework? And the first step is your research and your listening. So I think actually listening and being prepared to be uncomfortable is step one. So you you can't create a culture um, from the C-suite. It's not top down, nor is it bottom up. It's you know, a culture um, is how people experience every day. A culture is how meetings are run, how promotions are given, you know, how things happen. What's the construct? And I think you need to understand what's your baseline. What is it like now, today, for an employee in a shop, an em- employee in your frontline customer service, uh, a mid manager? You know, be prepared to listen, have honest and transparent conversations you know whether you do that via focus groups or uh digitally um but have those conversations have um an opportunity for people to share what the true construct is so again back to whether you do this via a way of making people understand that it's okay to be honest i think that's the, that's a really important piece that you're really signaling that you're prepared to be uncomfortable with what you hear um, and be very respectful and recognizing that people don't always want to be the person that says, actually, it's you know it's awful here because um, we're constantly being told this has happened, that's happened, but never given an explanation behind the why. Or, you know, it's not very good here because very often I'm expected to do overtime with very little notice. So it's it's not an easy ask to ask your employees to be honest. So when you're saying we want to listen, listen with respect, listen with an open mind, listen consistently, you know, be be really kind of uniform in your thinking. So if you're doing workshops, make sure that you're listening to everybody. You're not just targeting a particular segment because, oh, it's really hard to recruit digital people or today or this year we're thinking about automation. So let's really listen to the those employees are going to be impacted by that. Listen with a whole heart. Listen respectfully and listen with consideration don't just do superficial listening people are cynical people are tired of just giving their opinions and not being heard and nothing changing so genuinely listen and and i said you know really dump the superficial uh, listening then signal what you're going to do with that listening signal timeline so again very you know very much to how i've worked on my evp projects you know nothing is going to change tomorrow um, be very honest uh, and people respect that Co- colleagues and employees respect that but explain that there will be action but action will come post the listening and the reflection um, and then I think there's something around a natural step um, it's prioritization so you can't change everything overnight you know we'd all love that and I think that's where organizations can go wrong you know we want to become uh, an organization that creates a belonging culture and if you've come from a, the starting point that you listen and hear is a, an aggressive culture or a culture where uh, employees feel uh, slightly weary and worried about providing feedback, you can't change that to an inclusive belonging culture overnight. So prioritize what's important. What have you heard? What's going to have the biggest impact? Have a prioritization plan and consistently signal that you valued all the input just because you're prioritizing you know, one to seven doesn't mean that eight to 10 weren't important. But again, you know, value the input and share why you prioritized those one to seven. So if we're going to create a sense of inclusion and belonging, start with how you actually manage 
the insight that you've got from your listening. And then sort of lastly, also one of the points I think is really key. And, you know, we've both experienced this in corporates and we've both experienced this, I'm sure, in, in, in sort of, you know, other environments. Um, it's not just a, okay, we've listened today and that's it. And then we'll tell you what we're going to do. Um, I think explore employees expect and I expect, you know, two-way communication. So um, I don't just want to hear at the end of the year, this is what you're going to do, but I want to be kept involved on that roadmap or dare I say it on that journey. So build in two-way, build in um, opportunity to be agile. So you might've heard something a year ago. And as you're kind of going down that roadmap and journey of changing slightly, slight things, you know, keep testing you know, what we heard, is it still true or has actually something changed? So don't just leave it to chance. Keep communicating and keep testing. Some of these things are very simplistic, but you'll be surprised. Well, I don't think you would be, but um, it's very, very apparent to have a very bad communications culture, um, not out of um, any kind of maliciousness or done in a purposeful way. But it's amazing how people forget about communications, you know, forget about telling people. Because um, I think we, we're all in a state of busyness and actually building in to your um, intention of building an inclusive culture, that two-way communication is really key. Um, don't just leave it to chance. It's, sort of, it's something that I feel very strongly about. So uh, final final question. Um, one of the, I suppose, one of the unfortunate things about the, um, the, the, sort of the current market that we're living in is whenever there are talent issues to be solved the um what seems to happen is people just sort of throw technology at the problem so um you know huge amounts of investment lots of uh, recruiting and and hr technology being developed now um obviously this is a this is a big strategic issue it's not something that's going to be solved by technology despite um you know whatever anyone might say however what i'm interested to know is your view on can technology help here How, you know is there a way that technology can can help facilitate and uh, make this process more effective. Yes, I mean, I I love technology. I, I work in in technology. Um, I, I think it would be um, odd if we didn't embrace um, tools and techniques to help us in this space. I think it's around prioritization and, and and really thinking about not technology first, but what are we trying to achieve here. So, for an example, example, we both know and and I've experienced it in terms of recognition often can be a once a year piece you know it can be you know at the end of the year appraisal or mid-year appraisal you did a good, good job xyz but often it can feel like it's a process point oh I, i'm in a management meeting and i know that i need to recognize my team so i'm going to just say you did a good job in this job done box um i think some, there's some really nice tools out there and techniques out there uh, that organisations are implementing, you know, I'm aware of around, you know, how do you recognise people uh, via technology? How do you sort of make sure that it's the person doing the great job has not just got um, recognition in that conversation or via email, but the rest of the organisation they work in is aware? Um, I, I think this, that there, there are, this technology has a benefit to it, but I, I think the intent has to be still empathetic and has to still be human. So, um you don't want this as classic oh we've in, we've implemented a, a tech piece to help us give recognition but it's never used because you haven't built into your leadership model or your management model this feeling that um and and this you know this sort of freedom for managers to give recognition so you know almost teaching people that you know coaching people coaching leaders to 
recognise their employees is step one and explaining the why of it's important. And it probably sounds really simple, but actually it's needed before you put in the technology. Otherwise, you've got this technology that's just sitting there like tumbleweed because no one's using it. Um, so I, I, technology is, is fabulous, but why do you want it? What are you trying to achieve with it before you actually go and buy that shiny new toy that um, is a wonderful investment, but actually doesn't help you because you haven't changed people's way of working or thinking? Charu, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Matt. My thanks to Charu. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.